Welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian and Gabriel, 1980s edition. Where we normally look at things that I miss throughout the years, but now we're in the 80s. Episode 2, 1980. What's going on? Let's talk about it. We have Fire Destroys the MGM Grand Hotel in Las Vegas, November 22nd, 1980. So uh, this is the big fire that changed a lot here in the city. Fire codes all got updated, and now our firefighters don't really have to fight fires anymore because everyone's too careful. Interesting. Iron Maiden uh, debuts with a self-titled album released in the UK. Wait, Iron Maiden's a, a British band? Is that a serious question? I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, okay. Uh, full disclosure, obviously, I'm not a, a Maidenhead, um, but I guess when I say it out loud now, and I think of the character yeah, with the uh, Union Jack, yeah, okay, uh-huh. it's a British band. Right. I, I, I assumed you were joking there for a second. I had to, I, I had to look at the camera. I am not. <laughs> Looks I, to camera. I don't. I don't listen to Iron Maiden. I tried once. Okay. Hang on, his name, I always forget his last name, but it's Bruce something, too. It sounds very, hang on. What's his, Bruce Dickinson. Okay, that's, that's a... Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a very British We'll name. just go back to the... Um, 3M begins sales with its latest product, Post-it Notes, invented by Arthur Fry and Spencer Silver. Two people. Dude, two people for the Post-it Notes. I mean... Do you think one invented the sheet and the other invented the adhesive, and they were just friends? Maybe, but... I like to think But that. if you think about that, dude, that is still something we purchase now. Like, I have them on my desk here. That is a a gold mine of of things right there. You know, that's impressive. 3M also, right? I mean, I did not right. know that was their that was theirs. Yep, they got it. They were bottom floor of Post-it notes. Uh, in Australia, oh no, baby Azaria Chamberlain disappears from campfire at Ayers Rock, reportedly taken by a dingo. Okay. Which, to set the record straight, it reportedly that is actually what is believed to have happened for those that just have parts of the story. And, oh, right, because the family was accused of, of, of uh, murder, right? Mm-hmm. Infanticide. And, but this is where the origin of a dingo ate my baby. Yes, that was what they were referring to on Seinfeld, was this actual happening. The, the poor lady for like, I think it took like a decade to sort out in court, uh, she was incarcerated initially. They were like found guilty. Um, she had another baby uh, that she she'd gotten pregnant. She had another kid taken away from her. Oh my god! Because it was born while she was in custody. Like it was a it was a mess. And it ended up the government ended up paying out like millions of dollars after the fact because uh, they did a bad job with evidence. Nobody had had a, a violent encounter. No humans had had a recorded violent encounter with dingoes previously. Uh, I want to say that the um, the native people had said that, yeah, it could happen, but nobody listened to them because it was the 80s. I mean, and they're still trying to murder the indigenous people of Australia as right. we speak. So, you know, hasn't improved much for them. But what a uh, um, what a uh, and like, that's the part people remember is the Seinfeld line. And that was like, that's a whole tangle. Of things that happened, resulting like I, was happening in the background. I honestly, I've always heard that term. I didn't know it came from Seinfeld. 
Yep. Interesting. Or at least that's what popularized. Maybe it has deeper roots than that. I don't know, but that's where I know it from. I just know it from pop culture. That's a, like a reference. You're like another shrimp yep. on the Barbie, and uh, you know, Dingo ate my baby. Maybe the Dingo ate your baby. Yeah. Uh, CNN cable news network begins broadcasting on June first. Wow. Uh, the album Back in Black is released by the Australian band ACDC. Uh, I knew they were Australian. Akadaka. Also, also uh, just pivotal album. I mean, it's just one of the greatest rock albums that has ever, ever been recorded. It's insane. Iconic. Those riffs are will live in, in infamy. All right, so let's move on to some uh, births, notable births. Ooh, exciting. This is so, great, not, uh, doing, not doing any other work. This is fantastic. I love being a fan. <laughs> yeah, it's how I feel most weeks. <laughs> uh, Mark Robar, a YouTube star, a former NASA engineer. I So I won't say that this is how he got his viral fame completely, but this is how I saw him. And I think one of the videos that first blew up was he did these glitter booby traps for package thieves, like Amazon. Is that that guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, he's got a huge YouTube channel now, does like charity stuff, does all kinds of, he did the, um, I forget what the stuff's called, but there's that, you know, that non-Newtonian liquid where you can, slowly you can put your hand in it but if you hit it yeah 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 he filled like a swimming pool with that stuff um he he's done a lot of you know over the top kind of experiment sciencey kind of things and engineering kind of things because he's a pretty smart dude but uh yeah 1980 and you know when you think about it like that puts him in his 40s to be you know a presence on youtube which is a young person's game you know, even if he even if he got in on the YouTube train what ten, twelve years ago, he would have been in his like early thirties. Right. You know, never like, too late to follow your dreams, kids. Yeah, because right now every YouTube person is either really young or like, you know, tenured, like the the Casey Neistats and the and the, um you know the the Mr. Beast and all those guys. You know, like they're in their late thirties, early forties, if not older, or like incredibly young because they're you know, they're better at it than we are. <laughs> No, it's like us getting into podcasting in our early 20s here. Just quick to the game, you know? Yeah, yeah, in our early 20s, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Next on our list, Kim Kardashian, American famous person. American famous person. (laughs) That's what my notes say. You know, I, 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 I absolutely do not know why, right, they're famous, but I, good for them, dude. They've created, like, and, and their mother... The way that they have created that brand out of nothing, I mean, out of, you know, celebrity, you know, parasites with Paris Hilton and all that and, and all that stuff and her sex tape. It's incredible. Good for them. Honestly, you know what? I, I As much as I want to be a shit on them, I'm like, they they did something right. I mean, they did something right from the school of Donald Trump where you just turn your name into a, into a brand. Yeah. Which- I don't know. I mean, again, good for you being successful. But if you Google, why are the Kardashians famous? You get Robert Kardashian initially received oh, attention he was for being... The, the the lawyer for O.J. Simpson. Well, mm-hmm, one of O.J. Simpson's lawyers. Also uh, rumored to be the father of Khloe Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> 
but the family parlayed Kim's 2003 sex tape with singer Ray J um, and Kim Kardashian into a reality TV and business empire. So really, it was the sex tape. It sounds like more than anything. Well, because remember, you know, because here's bravo. the thing: like before her, it was Paris Hilton, right? And who was? Yeah. And she was part of Paris Hilton's clique. And yeah. you know, sex tapes. You know, what Paris Hilton had one, she had one. It just became a thing. I feel like there's two directions it could go when you can release this sex tape. It's it's jail or fame, or or like you know you run away from it and and because of the embarrassment of of that that be happening to you, it's crazy. I guess I guess we've learned you just got to lean into it, taking notes. I mean, yeah. uh, all right, uh, Macaulay Culkin, Ooh, American actor, nice. Uh, I mean, obviously, what jumps to mind for me is Home Alone. I think so. I think everybody does Home Alone. Um, what else? What else off the top of your head? The Good Son with Elijah Wood. Uh, oh, he again, two kid actors at their best, dude. Oh, My Girl. Remember, he was the the little boy in My Girl. Okay. Um, and then uh, Party Monster in his later years, and his brother. <laughs> that's the that's the Culkins that I know. There we also, go. That's it. oh, Uncle Buck. He was the little boy in Uncle Buck <laughs> with John Candy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I guess I do know more about Michael Culkin than I, I, I Surprising. <laughs> there it is. Uh, next up, uh, Channing Tatum. Oh. Also American actor. Also American actor, yeah. I, so I I think he's a very funny, funny actor. He, he is. And, and he does not take himself very serious. He does not. You know, like, uh, put aside the Magic Mike stuff. You know, like the 21 Jump Street stuff. His little cameo in like this is the end where he comes out as the gimp to uh, to yeah. uh, McBride's character, Danny McBride's character. <laughs> he does like that is cool that you cannot that you because he's I mean if you think about it he's he's pretty sought out I think as an actor uh, and probably makes decent money but he does not take himself very serious and I I I, I like watching his stuff I do. No, he's uh, he definitely has some uh, comedic edge to him. Oh yeah, yeah. That uh, it's fun. It's good. Uh, good to see it out there. Uh, next up, Mikey Way, bassist for My Chemical Romance. So tie it into our last episode because we're good at this. You were terrible at this because we should have used it last episode. Uh, yeah, no, uh, fantastic band. I'm glad to see they're back. Uh, he is credited with creating the band's name based on the novel Ecstasy. Three Tales of Chemical Romance by Irving Welsh. I mean, you know what? It's one of it's one of those really great titles for a band. Like it's just yeah, you know. There's certain it's, you just picture it on a banner. You do, you do. All right. Uh, next up, Venus Williams, American okay. tennis player. Yeah, fantastic. Oh wow, I didn't know she was. Man, everybody has done so much with their lives, and I. And podcasting in my twenties. That's <laughs> just someday we'll get there. <laughs> uh, last on our list, we have Rebel Wilson, Australian actress. Oh man, I am all about the Brits. I thought she was British, but I'm also confusing her with the uh, from the Little Britain show. <laughs> so, oh, so never mind, never mind. Um, great actress, uh, great comedic timing. You know, uh, but I, I. Outside of like Pitch Perfect and the movie where she's like the roommate that's really odd, uh, like Bridesmaids, I think she's the roommate in Bridesmaids. 
Yeah. Nothing jumps out. Oh, and she was the was she one of the Ghostbusters in the remake? Oh, I didn't see it, so that I I would believe you if you told me that. Yeah. I think I think she's she's done final work, but I, just again, like it, you know, just not. I recognize the name, but I can't think of a lot of like I, you know. Yeah, I think she's one of those. I think she did well, and and I think she does mm-hmm. well, but I don't think it's like a you know, not, not, nothing that stands out. But no, good. All right, no, I didn't know she was forty two. Crazy. All right, moving on to uh, deaths, we have Milburn Stone. Uh, character actor who played the beloved Doc Adams on TV's long-running classic Gunsmoke, 1955. That was your show. Um, yeah. I uh, grew up watching that a lot. That was on 56 KDOC yes, and the, yes. uh, the reruns and Gunsmoke, of TV shows. Gunsmoke. Was it Gunsmoke or Bonanza that Eastwood had his start with? Ooh. Um, I think it was Bonanza. I, all I remember was he had Rawhide. I don't remember. Oh, Rawhide. Oh. <laughs> Those three shows could have been the same to me. Bonanza, Ride, <laughs> Gunsmoke. <laughs> I feel like Bonanza stuck out a little bit just because of its locale, because it was like it had those trees and the like a lot of other places were more plains. Bonanza, I always remember the Ponderosa having all those, those uh, okay. incredible trees. Okay. Um, so what else? He was, was born what else in was Kansas on July 5th in 1904. So Jesus. he made it a decent stretch. What else was he known for besides, besides Gunsmoke? Ooh, let's find out. Because I feel like, like most of those guys were 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 decent actors that were busy, but maybe I'm. Well, you got to figure that he'll have some similar uh, roles. Let's see. Uh, Tailspin Tommy, Sky Patrol, nineteen thirty nine. Uh, biplanes, think biplanes. Okay. The Judge. 1949 from this poster i do not know what this is trying to tell me about black tuesday in 1954 and gunsmoke was the 60s right or 50s uh it was uh 55 to 75 jesus yeah long running those are the four things was he was he on until 75 in gunsmoke Let's see. I know I'm asking all these questions because I'm just so curious. Because if he died in 80. It does say, yeah. It does. It, well, I mean, they just say Gunsmoke 55 to 75. Uh, there's credits for him in in 605 episodes. Okay. So he worked until he was 75 and then died at 80. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. It's a hell of a yeah, career. There's, a, there's some other TV series on here. He has a credit in Climax, exclamation point, Durango. Private War of Major Benson. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot of things. Okay. Well, good for him. All right. Yeah, no, he looked like he was a busy dude. There's there's multiple things in every year going back to 1935. It's not bad. Though. That's uh, that's 40 years in the business. A full life. Yeah, it's not bad at all. All right. Uh, and uh, our second and final uh, death here, notable, is uh, John Bonham. British rock drummer, Led Zeppelin. Legend. Legend. Uh, I think right up there with um, ACDC riffs, right? Led Zeppelin just has just some of the most iconic rock and roll songs. And and it's funny, like, you know, you don't, like, a, a drummer knows drummers, you know? like. Um, and I remember seeing an interview with Dave Grohl where he was like, you knew when it was him playing a song, like, like, 
he had a style again as a as a person who listens to the whole song i'm like you know that's a it's led zeppelin amazing band but the drummers apparently he was like just uh one of the top drummers of of all time like they said that his his timing and and his style was just so unique and i was like i you know like to me i'm like i I hear a great song like i don't hear but i'm not a drummer yeah you know yeah, I'm glad you say that too because I'm I'm unaware. Like I've heard, I've I've read plenty of things that say like uh, Lars Ulrich is not a spectacular drummer, Metallica, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, well, I like their songs and it works for that. So yeah, yeah. You know? And you know, like um, I remember, fuck, I want to say ten years ago. You know Travis Barker, right, from Blink One Eighty Two fame. Yeah. And for me, I, I'm a huge fan of the Transplants. Do you recall that rap song Soldier Boy say, uh, "Tell him so" or something like that? Mm-hmm. And he did, uh, he did a drum track playing over the song, and it went viral back in the day. And like people were like, "He's just doing basic drumming." And you're like, "To me, again, non-drummer, I was like, it sounds amazing." And every every drummer's like, "He's just doing the basics." And like, like that's the starter pack for being a drummer. <laughs> but in my head, I was like, "Yeah, but you didn't do this. He did." Like it's one of those things where like whether you like it or not there's a difference in how this person thinks and why they're they're successful what they do and i think maybe when it comes to that it's the same thing where like if you're in that field you can pick it apart but the fact is there is some some um talent in being able to pick what you do with that basic right you know the talent is in playing and in the choice of what and where to play exactly yeah so but yeah but i think everybody says that that uh he was a a, a a really really good drummer. So technically, also a eh? yeah, right. that's good to know. Yeah, and I, I think his son is a, a decent drummer too. All right, uh, on to movies. I'm excited. I'm ready. Yeah, there's some good ones in here. All right, we're gonna start with the Young Master, Jackie Chan. Mm. Released February 9th, 1980. It was in Hong Kong, so the estimated U.S. box office six point two million. This was second run at directing by Jackie Chan. Really? So starred in, wrote, uh, or at least helped write and directed. Um, it was his first time under the Golden Harvest banner that would just vault him to like stardom in uh, in Hong Kong, which uh, you'll see a lot of his movies, especially the early on, have Golden Harvest productions. So he, he stayed with them for a while. Um the Young Master is a primordial stew of Hong Kong action comedy hijinks, unrefined but incredible, an unadulterated early gr- glimpse of an icon beginning to hurl his body through the crucible of his country's movie industry. Jesus. Which I think says pretty much, yeah. So, early in his career of breaking his bones for our amusement. You know, um, I was reading something on Reddit uh, today where people were like, pick, you know, like, pick your favorite story that you've heard where, like, a an actor almost died filming in a movie, you know? And, um, and then like somebody was like Jackie Chan and half his movies. <laughs> you, know, you know, what's like, funny <laughs> is that for all the things he's broken, like he dislocated his sternum. I remember reading, which is like, I didn't know you could dislocate your sternum, but he only really had one that came, that was like very emergent, like came close to killing him. And it was one of the less, spectacular stunts he like fell out of a tree and he wasn't that high up he was just doing something he slipped and he hit his he hit his head and uh that was filming uh i think it was armor of god and 
every other one like he's done he's fallen through multiple canopies he landed on his head in project a and like wasn't a big deal um he's done so many things that you have on film that they kept the take where he did something and like hurt himself or broke something but like there was that one time that he came actually pretty close like you know had to be like airlifted out and oh wow stop the presses and it was like a a more mundane to him situation like it wasn't a one of his crazy stunts that he had set up fascinating but yeah no i thought i, I wondered if you were going to say like someone someone specified armor of god jackie chan like fell out of a tree <laughs> and so and, and you know it's funny like i i am a fan of his but uh you know like drunken master and then and then the the you know uh police story the later yeah. stuff. early jackie i i don't i don't really I'm not as familiar with, to be honest with you. I think the Young Dragon I watched once, maybe like 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm definitely more familiar with later stuff. Um, but I I've seen I've definitely seen some of the early. I'm sure I've seen Young Master. Um, Drunken Master is fairly early. But yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, next up, another big one here. Uh, Mad Max. Oh man, that is. Go on. Sorry. So, I mean, it's a indie Australian film uh, released in Australia in 1979. It did not make it to the U.S. until February 15th of 1980. Uh, its budget was 350 to 400,000 Australian dollars, which I did not look up what it was at the time. But okay. that would be less. It made in the U.S. 12 million. Uh, 100 million. Jesus. <laughs> that was way off. <laughs> So you know, it did pretty well. <laughs> and you know, so I, I have I have just a little bit of trivia on this one, right? Uh, because I, I am a fan of Mad Max films. Um, first and foremost, because it was such a low budget, the cops in that in that movie are all supposed to be wearing leather, but they couldn't. <laughs> I know this one. Yeah, but they couldn't. They could, the budget could not afford for everybody to have leather, so he's the only one who actually has leather jackets and leather pants. Everybody has faux. So that that I always thought was was kind of funny. The other That's part funny. is like if you watch that movie, it's a very slow film. Oh yeah, the first one is not. Oh, it is not what you picture. Mad Max at all. No, like I think it's Mad Max. The last five minutes is Mad Max that we right. all know. So the last five minutes is him all beat up, pulling out the shotgun, shooting the dude. Yeah, and then you're like, "That's there he is, there he is." And then the Road He's Warrior. Mad Max now. If He's you want to watch Mad Max, you need to watch the Road Warrior and yep. Beyond Thunderdome. But Mad Max One is a very slow film that that takes a little bit of of, of, of time, but Mel Gibson is exceptional in that. You can see like yeah, the little potential. known at the time, he was just a he's just a fresh faced lad. Yeah, that's a, that's, again, if you're going into it thinking Mad Max, I, I want to warn everybody, it's a very yeah, slow the first film. One is, it's a different genre. It's the first a, film. yeah, yeah, definitely is a good. That's a very good point. But the last 10 minutes, I would say, is where like you see the full potential of what becomes Mad Max. And I think that's, and, that's the lore that we all go back to. Yeah, this film is also credited with opening up uh, the Aust the world, to, uh, the global market to Australia's new wave of films. Um, it was a top grossing uh, Australian film. It held the record for decades as the most profitable film ever created. Jesus. Yeah. And obviously uh, turns Mel Gibson into like the superstar of the world. Uh, yep. Because I imagine in the next ten years we're gonna talk about Lethal Weapon. <laughs> oh, I mean Mel Gibson's gonna feature heavily. Oh, my he God. was uh, he was all over the eighties. He's fantastic. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, next up, we have the big red one. This one, I don't know, Gabe. So I actually am looking forward to hearing about this. So this is one of those movies that I could very well have seen this, given its its topic and its, you know, uh, some of its age, like it's a bit older, you know. Um, but I, I can't be sure I did. However, I was interested when I saw it for a couple of reasons. So it was uh, written and directed by Samuel Fuller. Fuller was a World War II veteran and served in the 1st Infantry Division, nicknamed the Big Red One, for their red numeral one on their shoulder patch. Uh, he received a Silver Star, Bronze Star, and Purple Heart during his service and was present at the liberation of the Falkno concentration camp. Uh, the Big Red One is a 1980 American epic war film uh, starring Lee Marvin alongside an ensemble supporting cast, including Mark Hamill, Robert Carradine, Siegfried Rauch, Bobby De, I don't know how to say his last name, De Sico, and Kelly Ward. Based on Fuller's own experience, it was produced independently on a low budget and shot on location in Israel as a cost-saving measure. Heavily cut um, on its original release, but a restored version, The Big Red One, The Reconstruction, premiered at 2004 Keynes Film Festival, seven years after Fuller's death. Fuller wrote a book with the same title, which was more a companion novel than a novelization of the film, although it features many of the scenes that were originally cut. Its budget was $4 million. The box office was $7.2 million. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, crazy that like a small film like that got a bunch of like actors, including at the time, some big names. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the name Sam Fuller uh, because of... I recognize uh, that too. Yeah, I know him because of... Um, a noir film called, I think, The Naked Kiss or something like that. That's the only thing I know about him. Um, but I had not heard about this movie, so actually this is this is one that I probably will try to watch this week. And yeah, he was, he was Kiss. In, he was in the army, right? Yeah, he was uh, He was in the Big Red One. That's crazy. Uh, Shock Corridor, The Naked Kiss, White Dog. Yeah, The Naked Kiss I know I've seen. I'm trying to see if anything else jumps out. Fixed bayonets. Oh, yeah, the the man was telling some stories. So was was he doing what westerns and, and war movies basically? Merrill's Marauders. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He seemed to have some 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 things he was working out in his movies. All right, but yeah, that jumped out. Uh, on my uh on my father's side, my granddad was in the big red one. So that's crazy. I was like, wow. All right. Next up, we have Airplane. Ah, oh, fucking love Airplane. <laughs> Released on July second of nineteen eighty, with a budget of three point five million. Really? What do you? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Is... How many sets did they have? Well, yeah, that's true. They had a plane, and they had the <laughs> control center. Yeah, control tower. <laughs> How much? What do you think the box office was for that? Ah, uh, you know, okay, so I was just surprised by Mad Max, so I'm going to say 70 million. Uh, 171 million. Holy, wow, I'm way off. <laughs> just 100 million. Pocket change. But that movie, I think, well, the standout to me is always Leslie Nielsen. I think he's... Oh, yeah, Leslie Nielsen's what I remember, and I know that wasn't really the main... Yeah. It wasn't the main... And then the the female lead was from SNL. I forget her name. Yep. I think Catherine, maybe? I forget her name. But the main lead, I, I don't think I ever saw again anything else. Uh, and then, um, uh, what's the name of the the air controller guy? Um, 
Uh, he is uh, um, a bridge, right? He's a not not he's Bo Bridges' dad, right? Um, and and uh, Lloyd Jeff Bridges. Bridges, Lloyd Bridges. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Um, so uh, yeah, it looks like Julie uh, Haggerty. Haggerty. Okay, uh, Catherine way off. But yeah, no, that that movie is is to this day quotable. Uh, oh yeah. Fantastic, and again, Leslie Leslie Nielsen had some of the best lines. He stole the show. It, yeah, oh no, he yeah. definitely did. That deadpan humor of his was the most perfect thing in this in this movie. Yeah, uh, Airplane received uh, universal acclaim from critics and is widely regarded as one of the best films of 1980. Damn, Rotten Tomatoes gives this film an approval rating of 97 percent based on 69 reviews compiled retrospectively, with an average rating of 8.45 out of 10. That's imp- I, it, it has earned it. It, it has. It's a, it's a phenomenal the, film. The site's critical consensus reads, <clears throat> Though unabashedly juvenile and silly, Airplane is nevertheless an uproarious spoof comedy full of quotable lines and staps, slapstick gags that endure to this day. They do. They do. It's- and uh, I don't know if you can say a whole lot more about it. That's pretty spectacular. And I mean, look, I, I I've even seen uh, I've even seen Airplane the sequel, you know, like I I did see that. It it doesn't. It was a, it, Airplane stands alone. Is it, is it rocket ship? It yeah. Well, they go into space. <laughs> <laughs> see, that was just me joking because I have not seen it. That's the secret, right? That's how comedy works. It's like the next biggest thing. And honestly, what they do in Airplane Two is they basically redo a lot of the same jokes, and and you appreciate it, but you're like, this is no Airplane. Uh, that's a phenomenal movie, though. I, I highly recommend anybody who hasn't seen it. Awesome. All right. Next up, we have Flash Gordon. Jim Jones, right? Or what's the, name of the, the name of the actor? I believe so. Hang on. Former uh, Sam player. J. Jones. Close. Sam Jones. Okay. Yep. Release date of December 5th, 1980. Budget 20 to $27 million, which I feel like is a bit odd. That like, is... How do you... How do you like what happened to that seven million guys? Can't decide if you spent it. Um, box office of forty six point five million UK and US. Uh, got its money back. Let's just be happy about yeah. it. Uh, a football player and his friends travel to the planet Mongo and find themselves fighting the tyranny of Ming the Merciless to save Earth. That's yep. just the that's that's the synopsis. So yeah, no, no, that's all it is. <laughs> Look, it's not a great film. It's not a great film. <laughs> It's a good film. It's a good classic cult film. But the highlight of that movie is the soundtrack, obviously. Yeah, I mean, just look at Ted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. That's the movie. But yeah, but no, Queen does the soundtrack and uh the Flash, you know, theme is is fantastic. Um the movie is is not great. I would rather watch watch Flesh Gordon. <laughs> Oh no, um, that, that exists, Gabe. That exists. I'm sure it does. Oh yeah, it's too good. The only thing I know about Flash Gordon is that I know the actual serialized like comics were one of the things that inspired some of George Lucas's Star Wars. Oh, I imagine, yeah, ideas. You know, he credits some of you know reading some of that for like the heroics and the kind of you know attitude that your heroes would have. So, um, good for you know. Glad it exists. I have not seen the movie. I do not have uh plans to see it necessarily but i i will celebrate the uh the soundtrack but you know what though it's funny you mentioned that because like star wars was a first of its kind right in the success that it had right yes so you'll notice that star wars came out 76 77 right 77 yeah yeah 
Two years later, 79 to 80, you start seeing a ton of movies that are like, we need to get in on the Star Wars stuff because they were never expecting it. And I think this is one of those movies yep. that that is directly impacted by the success of Star Wars because like that's when you get Battlestar Galactica. That's when you get this huge up, you know, increase yeah, of sci-fi, of, really of got sci-fi in 7980. And I think this makes perfect sense because again, it's not a great film, but I think they were all banking like, oh yeah, people want this because you know, Star Wars. Give the people what they want. Give it to them. All right. Our final movie for today is Popeye. Robin Williams. Oh. And Shelley <laughs> released, Duvall? Ooh, uh, hang on. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, released December 6th of 1980. Uh, budget of $20 million. Really? Would you Would you care to guess the box office? So, I, I actually, when you say $20 million, I'm going to guess that yes, because they did have some elaborate sets. They built, like, a, a lot. I think they even have, like, a sunken ship. Um. I'm also going to guess that this was not a movie that did well. I am going to guess that it got its money back. I'm going to say 21 million gross. Wow. Uh, it got 60. It made oh, its money. Did it? Yeah, 60 million. Why did I think that this movie didn't do well? Uh, I mean, I think comparatively it didn't do great. Um, let's see. Uh, film premiered on December 6, 1980 in Los Angeles, California and opened in the rest of the United States the following week. It grossed 6.3 million its opening weekend and 49.8 million worldwide against a budget of 20 million. It received negative reviews from critics when it was first released, but it has received improved reviews over time, becoming something of a cult classic. I, I've seen this movie probably three or four times. It you know it's a Robin Williams performance. Um, is it Shelley Duvall? Is, is she the? It is. It is right. She was also mm-hmm. the one in in The Shining, right? That we talked about in the previous yeah. episode. She had a pretty good year then. <laughs> she was just she's out there making movies. She was good for her. Um, yeah, no, I was a I was a big fan of the of the of the Popeye cartoon show. Man, I was a really big fan of them, especially oh, yeah. the nineteen forties yes. one was phenomenal. But I remember watching this movie, thinking, when the first time I watched, it, I was like, oh, this is dumb. Because they went very cartoony, uh, and then as an adult, I, I appreciated it a little bit more because of the performance. When when I actually became more of a uh, a movie buff, um, but I have not seen this movie in like twenty years. I'll tell you that. Like, oh well, no, I'm sorry, fifteen years. I haven't seen this movie in like fifteen years. Um, but no, I just remember, yeah, like Robin Williams definitely swang for the fences and went car- a little cartoony. But if you watch the movie. In that stylized cartoon version, and you're you're in like they they do justice to it. But I think that if you watch it uh, with your eyes now, or you know where you like, you know like where you take a superhero and you 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 mute the colors a little bit so it doesn't look so comic booky. I think yeah. that that uh, that it fails in that. But no, I I I think I remember it not being terrible. Now, you know, if you ask me. But okay, 19, 1980, dude, that's fucking crazy how old that is. That yeah. Like young Robin Williams, too, huh? Yeah. He's, he's a little guy in it. Uh, all right. Next up, we have uh, first appearances. So first up, uh, Pierce Brosnan in The Long Good Friday. Nice. And in the 80s is when he really takes off because that's when he gets a Remington Steel, huh? Uh, yeah. So cool. Okay. Uh, I have not seen that movie. 
the Long Good Friday. I don't I don't even know anything I about it. I definitely have not seen it either. But good for you, Pierce Brosnan. Next up, we have a Willem Dafoe in Heaven's Gate. Ooh. Damn, William Defoe. Okay. I know I don't know a lot of his early stuff. Uh, I don't either. I, and know, I have to wonder I, if he looks significantly different younger. <laughs> that's like asking if Christopher Walken looks differently. Well, no. that's like, I mean, young Clint Eastwood, like he had the, the beginnings of his craggly appearance, but he does look significantly different when he was young. He was a handsome motherfucker when he was young. He was. But but you know what though? It's funny because when I look at, at young um, at young Christopher Walken, you're like, okay, I can see, but he still has that cow lick in his hair that just does not, you know, like you <laughs> you can't fix that no matter what you do to it. No. Nope. And 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 look, I'm a fan of of young Christopher Walken, like in in the Deer Hunter. I think he is phenomenal in that movie. That movie's just amazing. And then like the Dead Zone, you know, like I think that's late '80s, maybe. But I can't think of any early Willem Dafoe. Like I, I. Well, it, you can think of one now. It almost to me like Willem Dafoe's like Boondock Saints, and then yep. like he just he appeared already fully formed. He did with a career, and then everything he did afterwards is amazing. But I'm like gold. But yeah, but no, no, because you know, like I, I think of you know, like um, Jeff Goldblum, and I can think of all the little movies or Bill Paxton and all the little appearances and cameos he did as he as his career was taking off, but. I feel like the, you're right. Defoe just appeared fully developed. <laughs> you're like, this is Defoe. I guess we're moving forward. And like, it almost seems to be like he spent years doing like French, like, you know, like art, artsy movies. <laughs> yeah. Or like live, uh, he was doing uh, uh, stage work. Yeah. You know? you know, like he seems like that kind of actor, but who the yeah. hell knows? Apparently. Okay. Cool. Okay. 1980. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Bruce Willis, the, the first Deadly Sin. Interesting. Another movie I'd never heard of. Yeah, neither have I. Remember, he gets his start in the TV show Moonlight mm-hmm. before he does Die Hard. So, oh, wow, 1980. That's somebody else we should see some some appearances by oh, here so this I, decade. This decade, I think, I think we're going to see... Well, because remember, yeah, like, I think uh, Mystery Date... And Die Hard for him. I think this, honestly, this decade is going to be Stallone, Schwarzenegger. I think they're going to ruin, like, just run this entire decade. Because if you think about it, like, I I don't know, but I know that we have, I know that we have the Conan movies. We have the, the Commando Predator. Like, Arnold was a force to be reckoned with in the 80s, I feel like. And Stallone was keeping up. And and you know what? I'm excited for Steven Seagal. I think he had some fantastic years in the 80s with movies. But um, yeah, okay. Willem Dafoe, who else you got? We got Tom Hanks. He oh. knows you're alone. That sounds like a Hallmark movie. Like, Mother, May I Sleep with Danger? <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite uh, titles for a Hallmark movie. That's uh, that's very Hallmarky. Oh, so t- and yeah, and Tom Hanks. Then he goes on to do what? Bosom Buddies, Bachelor Party, Big Splash. I mean, Jesus. I think Big is like the earliest one I've seen. For me, I think it was Bachelor Party. I think that was his earliest one. And and then I did watch Bosom Buddies, which is. Uh, are you familiar with Bosom Buddies? Mm-mm. Bosom Buddies was <laughs> again something you could not do today. Two guys who can't afford uh, their apartments 
Um, so they know there's a female housing that gets rent controlled or something. So they dress up as women to be able to rent an apartment in an all women's apartment uh, building. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy, indeed. This is like Three's Company all over again. We are like Jack. <laughs> Jack Ripper has to play a gay guy in order to be able to have two female roommates because that was a, a thing that you yeah. couldn't do in the 80s. Couldn't do it. But yeah, that was, Round bo- that was Bosom Buddies, by the way. All right. Uh, lastly in this category, Michael J. Fox, Midnight Madness. Oh, wow. That's another great decade for somebody too, right? I mean, he goes on to – I mean, he goes on to Teen Wolf – uh, I mean, Back to the Future, obviously. His, Where is he? When is he? You know? <laughs> uh, and then his longtime running show, right? The uh, Family Ties. I mean, this mm-hmm. was a hell of a decade for, for Michael J. Fox. Damn. That's, they that's, just had... Uh, have you seen this stuff recently with him? Yeah, yeah. I saw, I saw Very this... Very heartwarming. Him and Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, I saw that Comic-Con uh, reunion that they had. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize just how bad his Parkinson's was has gotten, though. It's, it's insane. Yeah. But, but he's got the right attitude. Exactly, I was going to say. But that's a man who's like, yeah, no, this is, this is it. You know, like, I, this is... Um, yeah, it's impressive. No, but I was going to say, like, when you think about that, right? If, if he's being introduced in 1980 and... We know his career in the 80s. That means that this dude's talent showed very quickly and got picked up insanely quickly also, you know, because we're like it is going to become his year, his decade. And if he started in if his first appearance is 1980 and by 1990, he is one of the top movie stars and television show stars Mm -hmm. like again, like his talent like and you know, and let's compare him to like you know like and same same with Bruce Willis, and same with Willem Dafoe. If you talk about the eighties, if they all started and debuted in the eighties, I'm gonna say the eighties is run by Michael J. Fox, because Bruce Willis had a TV show and then had Die Hard. That's it. William Dafoe, I can't think of anything in the eighties. <laughs> he had something. He had something. But you think Michael J. Fox eighties, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, no, that was his decade. So he. His talent shows very quickly for him to be recognized and then to and own he that was, decade. He was the youngest, I'm sure. Uh, oh, yeah, 19, that's a good point. 1980, he was like 19. Oh, he was born in uh, 61. Dude, so he is 19 to 29 in, 1980, in the 80s. Oh, my God. That is impressive what we're going to hear yeah. about him this decade. Yeah. That is so fun. That's exciting to. I don't know why that's exciting to me. Like it, it, as we even talk about this show, you know. Well, it's just it's cool to see somebody have like that kind of kind of meteoric rise at such a young age because it's, you know, uh, I think notable. Like, isn't Willis? Didn't it take him a little while? Isn't he a bit of a later bloomer? Yeah, because I think I think uh, he was already. Yeah, I think he was probably already in his thirties. Probably. Hang on, let's find out. You know, he had to be getting close, please. Yeah, he could. There was no way he was in his twenties when he was doing like. Dialogue. He was born in fifty-five. Yeah, see, so you're right. Like oh, he was in his like mid 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 twenties, probably. You know, so, so in eighty he got his break. He was already twenty-five. And yeah, and like he's in his thirties when Die Hard happens. You know, like mm-hmm. very much a Vin Diesel story. You know, where you don't get discovered until very much late in your in your time. But yeah, no. So it, it just goes to show you, like I said, when you think about all these debuts and then 
you know, it just becomes Michael J. Fox's decade. Like, you can't think of the 80s without thinking of Michael J. Fox at this point. Actually, you can't even think of the 50s without thinking of Michael J. Fox because of right, he, went, he went back there. That's <laughs> how so he gets you. Yeah. Oh, man, this is exciting. It's an exciting year. Yeah, it's a good decade for movies for sure. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to a lot of the ones that we're going to talk about, even though we haven't even planned that far ahead. Like, No, it'll be easy, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. Target, target rich environment. Definitely. Oh man, yeah, I'm excited. This is a this is a good year, Gabe. Thank you very much for for doing episode two. All right. Well, we're we're up to something old, something new now. I think this week it was a little tough. I I did the season finale of She-Hulk. Uh, okay. So good. In Does it the, end on a high note. It ends in a weird note, but it follows exactly what they've been doing, and. Okay. Marvel does something really exceptional, which is make fun of itself. And I think that 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 shows a lot of character. That's uh, some self-awareness. All right, yeah, good. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to spoil it, but definitely like, okay, that's actually really well done. That's really well done. It was, it was a good finale. I, I really appreciated it. But yeah, that's the only thing I did this week. Like I think I, it's been a, unfortunately work was in the way a lot. So I didn't get a lot, a lot more done. Looking f- ahead though, I am going to start watching the documentary that Ethan Hawke did about Paul Newman, um, mm. the last of the movie star. Uh, so I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. But that's that's my something old, something new. What about you, Gabe? Uh, honestly, similar uh, between work and outside of work obligations. I I don't think I've done anything that's been particularly interesting, pop culture wise. I haven't consumed any of the media that I uh, that's on my list. It's all just been work. Yeah. Or things outside of work and that's fine that's fine i think we can end it with um with the gentleman who died today um it's robbie coltraner hagrid is you talking about right yeah i think we we can just end it with talking about you know uh i am not a fan of uh, I, okay let me <laughs> let me say let me just say it throw yourself out there yeah I, I i i i have watched all the harry potter movies okay I did not read the books and I was not a fan, but I, I, it was one of those, ch- I did a challenge and I ended up watching all the uh, Harry Potter films. Still not a fan of them. But I know that, um, that Robbie Coltrane was, uh, was a, an, a, a, a very good actor in that, as well as uh, the other things that he did, right? I remember him from uh, the, the Bond movies that he was in um besides harry potter like uh but yeah so he passed away i think today or last night right so i, I want to make sure that we, we give a shout out to to him and his work um but i think uh, that's pretty much the only other what's uh, something old something new right yeah thank you again gabe and uh we'll see you all next week